Hello, I'm Marit Smeyman. Welcome to Calm, Clear and Helpful, a weekly podcast series on taking good care of yourself and others. Introducing you to a wide range of wellness professionals ready to inform and inspire. Today we're looking at cortisol, stress and weight gain, insights and solutions. My guest is Dr. Fariel Lu Ha, naturopathic doctor practicing in the Middle East and South Africa. Welcome, Fariel. Thank you so much. It's uh, absolutely delightful to be on the podcast with you again, Mariette. Yes, and during our conversation to our listeners, Farrell will provide practical solutions to counter the cortisol, stress and weight gain scenario, and then it will be fun question time. Farrell, for those listeners who haven't heard our episode on perimenopause, could you please explain what you do? Sure. So I'm a naturopathic doctor. I'm Canadian trained, which is where I did my uh, education in naturopathic medical training. And then I practiced for 10 years there. Um, and then I've been able to sort of move around the world. I'm licensed in South Africa as well, and also in the Middle East. And what naturopathic medicine is, is basically looking at the body as a being. So not just a physical being, but also a mental and emotional and a spiritual being. It's a very holistic, comprehensive system of being able to help uh, people with various conditions and its root cause medicine. So I look at trying to figure out what are the underlying imbalances that are resulting in disease or in certain health conditions. And then I treat that using natural therapies um, and natural medicines. And the beautiful thing about it is you know, we're looking at a person as a biological individual, so not the same as 10 other people who could be coming in with the same complaints. Each person is unique. Each person has their own biological individuality, which also comprises genetics. It also comprises environmental, um, you know, influences. And so the treatment protocol is very much customized to the person. Along with that, I would like to just say that the um, beauty of naturopathic medicine is we're combining sort of these ancient, very traditional modalities with a lot of the cutting edge, upcoming, um, newer evidence-based medicine that, you know, is nicely married together to be able to help people attain their vitality and um, and to basically regain health. Thank you, Fariel. Coming to our topic, many people know that carrying excess weight is detrimental to their health, yet losing weight can be an ongoing struggle. And today you're going to shed some light on the cortisol weight connection. Firstly, most people know that cortisol is a stress hormone, but could you tell us more? Sure. So cortisol is a very, very important hormone. It's a life-preserving hormone. We absolutely need it. But, you know, we need it in that sweet spot where we have just enough to help us do what we need to do and to function. Um, too much or too little is going to be problematic. Now, cortisol is known as a stress hormone, as you said, Mariette. Um, it is primarily released whenever we face a stressor, whenever we're dealing with some kind of stress response. So it is released by the adrenal glands. These are tiny little glands 
that sit atop the kidneys. They're about the size of your thumbs. And these glands, while very tiny, they're very mighty because Mm -hmm. they keep releasing various hormones to help us deal with uh, stress-related situations or instances all through the day. And cortisol is the main player here. So one of the things that cortisol does, it, it activates what we call the fight or flight response. I'm sure many of your listeners will know about this, which is now also known as the fight or flight or freeze response. And this is a vital survival mechanism that helps us to prepare um, ourselves, our bodies, to be able to deal with whatever stressor is facing us, typically either by fighting it or by running away from it. If you have in the day of our ancestors, let's say, you know, the typical analogy is is a lion or a saber-toothed tiger uh, running towards you, you would either fight it or you would flee away from it. But in some cases, people freeze. They actually freeze in the face of stress. So cortisol is very important because what it does is it mobilizes various functions in the body, such as the release of glucose into the blood, amino acids and fatty acids for energy, to be able to get the body prepared to act. And as I said, it's secreted by the adrenal glands daily. So we actually have what we call a diurnal rhythm with cortisol. What that means is typically when we wake up first thing in the morning, our cortisol levels should be at their highest. So it's almost like filling your tank with fuel. You should have a fuel tank that's full before you start your day, right? And as you get through your day, as you start coming into the hours of the evening and nighttime, those cortisol levels would decline over time to the point where they're at their lowest uh, when it's darkest outside. And uh, again, when you sleep, then hopefully those cortisol levels would be replenished during sleep. So that's sort of the rhythm of the cortisol pattern that we call it in the cortisol curve, which is something I look at with a lot of my patients, because many patients in today's modern world, many people, I should say, are actually not uh, reflecting a diurnal pattern of cortisol with highest levels in the morning, lowest at night. In fact, they're either starting off with severely low levels um, in the morning, and or the curve is the opposite. They start off with low levels and it increases as the day goes on. And then it's at its highest at night, which then creates issues for people to be able to sleep and calm down. Now, Fariel, what would the reason for that be, for the inversion of this, of this process? There are several reasons, Mariette, but the main reason would be you know, if we're looking at just a, a general, if I were to give you a general um, idea, it's prolonged stress. It's having stress going on in your life that has a long duration where the individual is not able to mount an appropriate stress response. And potentially it is creating a chronic stress picture that can then lead to disease. But in some cases, it could also be an infection. It could be inflammation. Um, You know, so these are all stresses on the body. And so the main, uh, you know, the main factor involved here is a prolonged stress response that is unhealthy, which then changes this healthy, normal cortisol pattern 
into something that can lead to other kinds of diseases. Because as we know, about 80 to 90 percent of chronic diseases today are linked to stress and anxiety-related disorders. We know this. So many people, even myself included, who are treating patients coming in for various chronic diseases, a lot of those diseases have stemmed from some sort of stress-related situation that has not been effectively dealt with. So this is something you see generally? I would say so, because I do see that um, many, many of my patients, although I see a variety of different health disorders, you know, the main sort of common denominator with all of them is some kind of stress picture that has then got the body into an unhealthy response. So if we talk about well, what exactly is stress, you know, stress, mm. the, the, the definition of stress that was uh, given by Hans Selye. He uh, was a Hungarian endocrinologist who pioneered uh, the study of the effects of stress on the human body. And he defined it as the nonspecific response of the body to any demand made upon it. So that demand could be physical, it could be mental, it could be emotional, it could be psychological, environmental, financial, what have you. Any mm -hmm. demand where the individual is unable to cope and then leads to an unhealthy, prolonged stress response. So not all stress is bad. I do want to emphasize that. We actually need stress here and there uh, in the sense that it helps us to stay alert it stimulates us into action. So what we're talking about here are negative stressors. There are positive stressors. You know, I give examples like if somebody got a job promotion, that would be a positive stress. If someone is getting married, that may be a positive stress. Although some people might argue getting married may be yes. a negative stress. It really <laughs> all depends on your perception, right? Mm. Um, so, so perception is what is key here. The stressors those factors causing the stress, those are not so much the issue because we can't really escape stress, especially in today's world with everything that we've been through in the last few years. I would say that we can't really escape the stress, but what we can do is we can control and we can alter our response to the stress. So somebody sitting in really bad traffic who is getting late for an appointment would probably one response may be that they might get enraged, they may start to get extremely frustrated, they might start swearing or honking their horn or cutting, cussing off drivers or cutting them out. Um, this could be one response. That is a negative response, right? The other response potentially could be the same situation. It's terrible traffic, late for an appointment, but maybe the individual says, okay, there's nothing I can do here about this. I'm stuck here. So they can listen to their favorite podcast by Mariette, right, <laughs> on, on their radio or on their um, earphones. They could, you know, use a hands-free method to catch up on conversation maybe with an old friend or family member. Um, they could listen to some great music and they could just, you know, just alert the people that they're late for the appointment, there's nothing they can do about it. So it's two completely different responses to the same stressor. Uh, and, th and that is what I mean by being able to alter or change one's stress response. 
Yes, that's very good advice. But when one doesn't manage to do that and one has a problem with excess cortisol, how does that affect our bodies? Yes, this is a great question. And that's actually the key, right, is, again, the cortisol is going to always be a player. Um, as I said before, the stress response is critical to survival, right? It helps us to adapt to challenges. It's important for maintaining balance in our bodies, in our physiology, but it is meant to be short-lived so that once that stressor has passed, your body is able to return to normal physiology. It self-regulates and those high cortisol levels that are circulating the bloodstream should then reduce and return back to normal. The problem is that, again, in the, the sort of digitally um, you know, influenced age that we're living in with everything available at our fingertips, with our cell phones, with laptops, that saber-toothed tiger for some people is now emails. Mm -hmm. It's now you know, job demands. It's being able to, you know, take care of, of a sick loved one or family pressures or what have you. And so when this cortisol surge does not return back to normal and it becomes chronic, it's going to lead to things like a compromised immune function, um, other unhealthy states such as weight gain. And on top of that, if we add, you know, the Western, typical Western diet, uh, sleep deprivation, all of these things are going to compound and make all of this much worse. So one of the things that happens is that because cortisol facilitates glucose release in the, in the, in the bloodstream, we start to get issues with how the glucose is being regulated in our body and people can end up with glucose intolerance, which then leads to other things like insulin resistance and so they can end up with diabetes but having too much glucose or sugar in the bloodstream will also lead to weight gain we can also end up with high blood pressure and one of the things that cortisol does is it has an inverse relationship with another very important hormone in our body called DHEA and so DHEA is one of these hormones that helps to uh, keep us feeling good and looking good it's also linked to testosterone. Testosterone is, you know, primarily a male hormone, but women have it too, and it helps with maintaining muscle mass. So there's an inverse relationship here with cortisol in that when cortisol levels increase and stay high for a while, they it ends up um, creating a difference and a reduction in DHEA and in testosterone. And so what, as we lose muscle mass, and as we increase insulin and sugar levels in the body, we are going to start increasing the uh, fat cells in the body. And so these disturbances obviously are linked to weight gain and particularly abdominal fat, so fat around the abdomen. Um, and so we could end up with what we call a cluster of metabolic disorders, such as type 2 diabetes, metabolic syndrome, heart disease, um, even issues with brain function that have all been linked to obesity. Right. Uh, Fariel, if someone has abdominal fat or central obesity, does that necessarily mean they have a problem with cortisol? 
I would say that in most cases, it's one of the first things to look at because when someone has this, what we call central obesity, and so a lot of the fat is distributed mostly around the waistline, um, it could be one of the major hormones at play. Now, of course, there are other contributing factors, right? So we we probably should look at other types of um, hormones, insulin being one of them, you know, the thyroid could be at play. All of these are important, but looking at lifestyle is also going to be important. Um, so I typically will test for it to see if, is it possible that either they have too much cortisol in their bloodstream and or are they presenting with a pattern, as I mentioned at the beginning, that is unhealthy? Um, because what happens is with elevated cortisol levels, we start to see changes in the cells and in the tissue. So fat cells in particular, they contain a specific enzyme that converts cortisol into its active form, right? Um, and so what happens here is you end up with this fat surrounding the organs that are deeper in the abdominal cavity, known as visceral fat. And that's actually quite an unhealthy, dangerous fat surrounding these organs. And it's also very stubborn fat, very different from fat that is just under the skin called the subcutaneous fat. So when this enzyme is activated, it actually creates more of the fat surrounding these deeper organs in the abdominal cavity. And that is problematic. Um, and so it's a vicious cycle because the higher the levels of these enzymes in these deep fat cells, the more production of cortisol the greater the blood flow, you end up with an enlargement of fat cells and then further accumulation of fat. And then you have other downstream effects, as I said, with blood sugar control issues, um, indicating the development of diabetes. It could impact other hormones, reproductive hormones um, as well. So, Faryal, what do you do when you have a patient coming in with these signs? Well, first of all, you know, because what I do is quite comprehensive, I mean, I do a lot of blood work um, initially to understand what their physiology is doing. I may do some advanced functional medicine tests where I'm looking at their cortisol curve. I'm looking at all these other hormones. So, you know, there is an initial workup that I would do to appreciate and understand what's happening with this patient. Um are you asking me what do I do if someone is coming in specifically with weight gain? Yes, and when you discover that there's a link to cortisol. Right. So when we discovered that there's a link to cortisol, um, you know, the good news is that there are certain lifestyle factors that we can start to implement that will minimize the cortisol levels that are circulating. So, of course, I will discuss with that individual what's happening in their life. You know, what is their lifestyle like? What is their day-to-day -day routine as far as work? Do they enjoy their work? Is their work meaningful and purposeful? Uh, is it rewarding or is it extremely stressful? Is it very hectic? You know, do they, do they have a very demanding boss? All of these things play a role. Um, also, their home life. What is their home life like? Uh, what are their relationships like? And then we talk more specifically about nutrition, about sleep, about movement, 
sun exposure. These are all the main pillars of, you know, factors that I would be discussing with an individual to be able to determine where is the stress coming from. So that's the first thing is we have to understand where is the stress coming from? Can we identify what is it that is causing this prolonged stress for this individual? And of course, it's going to be different for every individual. And it may not be just one single thing. It may, may be a multitude of things. Once we've identified what the stressors are, then we work together to figure out, well, how can we minimize these stresses? And I'll tell you honestly, Mariette, there have been quite a few instances in my career where patients' stress um, is stemming from either a very toxic marriage mm -hmm. or a very toxic work environment. And those patients have been able to be brave enough to leave either the marriage or the job if it's required in order to become healthier. Mm. So we have to where is what is the root cause, right? Um, there are situations in which you may not be able to change the stressor, as I said at the beginning, right? The analogy with sitting in the traffic jam, you may not be able to change that. So then we work to change the stress response. And we do that by implementing various lifestyle strategies, you know, that are going to involve all those pillars I spoke about. So how much sleep is this person getting? The sleep that they're getting, is it restorative or are they waking up a number of times in the middle of the night, right? We talk about movement. So unfortunately, in today's world, a lot of people, you know, are sitting for prolonged periods of time. And we know that today, sitting is the equivalent of smoking in terms of the negative physiological effects that happen in the body when you're smoking. So very important to be able to move at least, you know, 20 to 30 minutes a day. That does not mean necessarily going and joining an expensive gym and running on a treadmill for an hour or two. In fact, that's probably going to be counterproductive. What we want is to just engage in some kind of movement that you enjoy. So if that means dancing, you know, to a YouTube video um, and enjoying yourself, or if it means housework, or if it means actually doing some sort of sports-related activity, whatever it is, 30 minutes a day is what we want. And then making sure you're spending time in nature, because nature serves as a beautiful buffer against stress. You know, for those people who live in environments where there's trees and a lot of green and, you know, beautiful flora, flowers, I really encourage that, you know, they make a point of going for a walk, you know, in these types of beautiful uh, natural environments. It's a huge stress buffer because just the greenery around you, the sights and sounds of the birds and the smells really bring down cortisol levels. In fact, in Japan, there is a term for this, which is called Shinrin-yoku, which stands for forest bathing. It is part of the normal ritual for many people in Japan, where they go into a forest and they spend a number of hours there forest bathing. So that's what I would encourage, you know, bring in as many plants into your home if you can, because that also activates what we call the parasympathetic nervous system. This is the system that helps us to feel calm and relaxed. Outside of that, if you're near a beach, uh, wading, wading in the water is beautiful because it's something called earthing. 
So when we put our feet, bare feet, to the ground of the earth, it creates a grounding where the negative electrons from our body are then absorbed by the earth's surface. And so I do encourage people as often as possible not to wear shoes and to sort of just have contact with the earth every so often, whether it's at a beach or a park or wherever. These are some things that one can do. Um, of course, we can talk about nutrition. We can talk about some other um, strategies, if you like. But the main thing I would say is identifying what is the stressor and then finding ways around how can we minimize those stresses. And for a lot of people, it could even be just creating boundaries, you know, making sure that they have some boundaries around how much time they spend at work, how much work they do when they're at work, boundaries around relationships, whether it's family or friends. So it's it's quite varied, as you can see. Mm -hmm. I do love the idea of earthing and of forest bathing. As do I, as do I. Mm -hmm. I really do enjoy it myself. Um, and so I think that if it becomes something that you can do on a regular basis, it makes a huge difference. Um, of course, along with all of that is ensuring that we are able to sort of with the movement side of things, what is beautiful is we're releasing these feel-good hormones called endorphins. And so the endorphins play a big role because as you release endorphins and as you move and improve how much oxygen is coming into your system, you are hopefully burning some of the fat and starting to build back some of the muscle mass. And so you've got all these different beautiful um, benefits of movement. It's not just about trying to lose weight. It's also about uh, emotional well-being. Mm -hmm. And it's also about helping your cells to function well, helping the cells to detoxify, um, helping your physiology to return to balance. You did mention nutrition. Would you like to, to talk about that a little? Sure. So what we do know is that body weight is also regulated by other hormones within a very complex system of energy balance. And your listeners may have heard of two other very key players related to appetite and food intake. These hormones are known as leptin and ghrelin, and they regulate food intake by either controlling appetite stimulation or satiety. So leptin, you know, we may have heard of the term leptin resistance. Leptin's role is to suppress appetite. And again, this also follows a rhythm where it's going to be lower during the day and it rises at night. So if we're not sleeping, you know, adequately, we can see how leptin levels are going to start playing a role here with stimulating appetite and therefore leading to excess cortisol in the system um, and in, due to increased eating. So that's important to appreciate. Ghrelin, on the other hand, stimulates ap appetite and um, it also is a little bit of an antidepressant. So when we want to eat, we want to be able to look for foods that are nutritious. But unfortunately, we tend to look for comfort foods, right? Especially when we're not feeling good emotionally. And these two hormones play a major role here, um, especially when we talk about things like, you know, the brain reward system or preference for foods, um, especially foods that contain sweet or salty flavors. And this is unfortunately what most people are reaching for when they're feeling stressed, when in reality, when one is 
undergoing a lot of stress, ideally they would be reaching for foods that are more nutritious. So one of those things is, for example, stimulants like coffee or alcohol or soft drinks. Not only are these dehydrating, but they heighten the negative effects of stress and they further elevate cortisol. So instead of reaching for coffee or, you know, a soda, when one is feeling stressed, one could reach for maybe a herbal tea or water or something that's going to hydrate them without actually elevating the cortisol. Another important thing to do with respect to nutrition is to ensure that you're getting enough lean protein. So a balanced intake of lean meat or poultry or fish, um, even certain grains and nuts that are high in protein because they contain a lot of the vitamins, minerals, and essential fatty acids that we need to be able to deal with stresses. Um, along those lines, we want to eat foods that are brightly colored, the various rainbow colors in terms of vegetables and fruits, because they contain something called phytonutrients. So these are nutrients within these plant foods. Um, and you know, examples of these would be your blueberries and strawberries, citrus fruits like oranges, pineapples, your green leafy vegetables, tomatoes, sweet potatoes. These are all chock full of amazing antioxidant and anti-inflammatory nutrients. And that's what we should be eating because that's what's going to actually nourish us and help us not only to maintain balanced cortisol levels, but also to avoid gaining this excessive unwanted fat. You know, apples, onions, grapefruit, they all contain enzymes that are really important uh, when it comes to digestion, but they also counteract that other enzyme I spoke about earlier, the enzyme that converts cortisol into its active form. These fruits and vegetables actually counteract that enzyme, therefore blunting this excess production of cortisol that then enlarges the fat cells and produces more fat cells around the abdomen. We've spoken a lot about movement as well, but um, you know, movement produces uh, a release of certain chemicals in the brain like dopamine and serotonin, but you can also get serotonin from certain types of foods, whether it's mangoes or bananas, lots of fruits and vegetables. Uh, nuts also help to produce serotonin, this feel-good hormone that also helps to control the stress response. Um, so that's what I would say regarding nutrition. But along with all of that, I also may end up giving some of my patients some herbal support to help them and the adrenal glands when it comes to, you know, modulating the stress response and helping them to be in like a Zen space whenever they're faced with a stressor. So if you want, I can touch on some of my favorite um, herbal support, if you like. Please. So I've got a couple that are my favorites. Um, magnolia is one of them. I love magnolia because it uh, has, you know, these wonderful anxiety reducing effects, but it doesn't cause sedation. I mean, none of these herbs would cause sedation, which is nice. They just help you to be in this very nice, calm, zen type of mental zone. And, you know, magnolia typically helps people to deal and to respond to stressful situations, um, but it also helps with sleep. So while it helps with feelings of well-being and reducing anxiety, it also helps to pe get people feeling calm enough to fall asleep well. Another one is holy basil. 
I really love holy basil. It's been used in Ayurvedic medicine for you know, thousands and thousands of years as a very effective anti-inflammatory herb. Uh, but it also is what we call an adaptogenic. So we use a lot of these adaptogenic herbs, which basically means they help the body to adapt to whatever stressor the body is facing. And so holy basil is another one of my favorites that also stimulates this feel-good hormone called serotonin. But there are many others. There's rhodiola, you know, there's um, ginseng. It really depends on what the patient needs. Do they need a boost or do they need to calm down? And that all depends on what is happening with their cortisol levels. Because, of course, when one has too much cortisol, they're not able to sleep at night, like I said. Mm -hmm. And sleep deprivation is then going to create another layer on top of, you know, everything that's happening because it, it creates a situation where one's emotional health then starts to become affected and sleep deprivation can lead to things like anxiety and even depression. So it's all connected. You know, everything is connected. Yes. And that's exactly why you use a personalized approach. Absolutely. Yes. Because we need to see, you know, for that particular individual, what is creating the issues that are leading to their symptoms, right? So oftentimes I have people come in and to see me, obviously for some health-related symptom, whether it's diabetes, whether it's migraine headaches, whether it's some kind of immune problem. And again, many people come in because of weight gain. Those are the reasons they're coming in. But we have to dig deeper or I have to dig deeper and look you know, under those layers, try to understand what's happening behind the scenes. And then that's what we treat. And once we treat that, and we use all these different aspects of, of being able to bring the body back into balance, then hopefully they start to see that their symptoms result because symptoms are just messages that the body is sending you to say that something's off balance. And we need to figure out what that is. Thank you, Farrell. You also work online, don't you? Yes, I do. I have a number of patients who consult with me virtually. And where can listeners find out more about your work? Well, you can certainly look me up online. Um, you can find my website, which is uh, www.drluharnaturo.com. My Instagram handle is dr underscore Faryal, F-A-R-Y-A-L underscore Luhar. That's where you find me, you know, speaking about a lot of different health topics. Yeah, I think that would be the easiest way also to get in touch with me. I'll also attach the link to your website to the podcast. Perfect. Thank you. Are you ready for your fun question? I'm not sure if I'm ready, but let's go for it. <laughs> Fariel, a little bird told me that you like speed on the water. So, in a fantasy world, which water vessel would you like to steer? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that is completely unexpected. Um, no, or in the real world. What water vessel would I like to steer? Yeah. Um, oh, my goodness. How do I answer that? Can you give me some examples and I'll pick one? Yes, you could You could steer a small water vessel that you use you know close to the beach or you could you may want to try your hand as I said in a fantasy world 
at a bigger, a bigger boat or ship? So I think I would probably prefer to stay with the smaller vessels because I have some experience with them, having spent um, summers at my brother's home in Canada, who lives on a lake. And I've really, really enjoyed using the sea dews, which are basically these motor vehicle type, you know, motor bike type um, equipment that uh, you could use on the water. And it's really exhilarating. You can control the speed, uh, a lot of fun. So I probably would stick with that one. Thank you, Fariel. So now you've got the fast thing to do. Um, and then on the other hand, you've got the wading in the water. That's absolutely right. Nice balance. Thank you so much for clarifying the connection between cortisol and stress and weight gain, which I knew nothing about before I read an article you'd written on it. So thank you for clarifying that. It's my pleasure, and I really hope that it's uh, going to be helpful for many listeners. It's something that one must keep, uh, you know, be aware of all the time, because like I said before, we, we live in a stressful world, so we just have to make sure we have all these lifestyle factors in check so that we can keep ourselves vibrant and healthy. Exactly. And to our listeners, it was good of you to join us. I'd be honored if you'd subscribe to this podcast series. And if this episode inspired you, please share it with someone you care about. Go to my website, www.marietsneiman.co.za for this episode's podcast notes and for free articles and podcast episodes on how to live a happier life and have more fulfilling relationships. Do follow me on Facebook, just search for Mariette Sneeman, journalist. Calm, Clear and Helpful is compiled, hosted and edited by me with original music by Mart-Marie Sneeman. Catch you next Tuesday at 9.00.